Astra Economic Week in Review. My name is John Eckstein. I'm the Chief Investment Officer of Astra Investment Management. I'm joined today by my friend and colleague, Nick Porter. Nick, hello. Hi, John. I thought today we'd frame the conversation a little bit differently and talk about recent sentiment that we are getting into a recession. I think neither of us really see that as likely, but I thought we would go through some of the data points that make some people concerned and some things that we feel are a little bit more solid footing. How's that sound, Nick? That sounds great. Yeah, I think that a lot of market participants and sort of talking heads on TV are are starting to drop the R word. And a lot of that sentiment is probably coming from expectations for the Fed and the need for the Fed to hike in such a manner that there won't be a soft landing, that they'll be way above the neutral rate of interest and that that will in turn lead the U.S. economy into recession because that's the only way to combat inflation. And while that remains to be seen, and it may be true, I think you know, most of the data points that we're seeing now um, and that we'll talk about are pointing towards more of a normalization of the economy rather than a, an outright recession. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. I'm going to so start on maybe one thing, which is showing possible weakness, and that would be the housing market. What do you see going on in the housing market, Nick? You know, mortgage applications are down. The 30-year mortgage rate is somewhere above five, so that's had a, a pretty significant impact. And just a few days ago, we got some data on existing home sales. So month over month, they were down 2.4%. And new home sales were actually down 16.6%. There's two ways of interpreting this. One is that um, the U.S. consumer has been hurt by inflation, and maybe they're less likely to buy a house, or maybe housing is so far out of reach at this point that People are stopping purchases at, at prices that they think are no longer reasonable. And the other, of course, is simply that the Fed is doing what they said they would do. They've raised rates. And one of the impacts and really one of the purposes of that is to make the cost of credit more expensive. And as a result, people are appropriately and probably healthily stopping new home purchases. Yeah, I think that that's right. So one of the channels that monetary policy gets into the economy is through mortgage rates. I think this cycle the longer duration end of the curve has reacted more quickly than it has in the past, right? The Fed has been telegraphing some high rates and the treasury market has jumped on top of that. So, you know, rates are up a lot. 10-year yields are up a lot over the last five months. That gets translated directly into the mortgage market. I did see that mortgages were actually down for the first time in weeks. Mortgage rates have dropped below five this week. So I'm not sure if the market's finding equilibrium there. On the new home sales side, you do still see this big problem with completions, right? Home starts and completions are supposed to follow pretty well understood connection, right? Like you start it and then sometime later you finish it. And that is not going on now. And so I think that is generally people think that that is due to continuing supply chain problems. So you both have sticker shock in the sense of housing prices are expensive, you have a dearth of inventory pretty much everywhere, and you have higher mortgage rates. So there's a lot of things conspiring to slow down the housing market right now. That's right. I mean, I think you know, two of those are probably not healthy, right? Low inventories and housing completions not being where they should, but you know, one is probably more healthy, which is simply that housing is unaffordable and people should be buying less. And so one other thing that looks a little dicey, in my view, 
the leading economic indicators. Now, this is a little bit of a mishmash of stuff, and the history is kind of complicated to deal with because they redefine it after every recession. But still, the index leading indicators has flattened out and maybe begun to decline slightly depending on how you measure it. And that is probably worth keeping an eye on from my standpoint. I would say another thing that is not great is something that I've said on every podcast for the last six months. You want to guess what that is? I'm going to say PMIs. No, no. Uh, PMIs have been great until recently. PMIs are still strong, right? Still in the mid 50s, but they certainly come off the boil from, say, December of of 2022, you know, services is down to 57. It was once up above 68. Manufacturing is down to 55. Of course, those are still in expansion territory. But, you know, you might read a little bit of weakness in there. Things like finding people to work is, is difficult. So price pressures are difficult. Input costs are difficult. But overall, I think that's probably a relatively healthy normalization from, you know, these above 60 prints. Yeah, not as strong as it was. Still in solid expansion territory. I would agree, agree with that. So the way we look at PMI for the astroeconomic index, that is still, you know, in the somewhat above average side from way, way above average a few months ago. Now I'm curious, John, what were you going to say? Confidence. Yeah. Confidence. That's like my thing. It was down. So the way Michigan survey works is they actually, so they talk to people throughout the month, right? And then halfway through the month, they release a preliminary and then they release a final. And so like, presumably like that's because they're asking more people, right? So not only was the preliminary for May below expectations and below the April number, like the final number is below the preliminary number too, which I'm pretty sure it means that like people are getting more pessimistic throughout the month. Like maybe you've got sampling problems. You can't really say that, but like, it's definitely not good. And again, like the consumer is just right, right? You can't say the consumer is wrong. Like economy is really strong with the labor market. Like how they feel is what they feel. You can't argue with people's feelings, right? They tell you that in, in couples. And so for whatever reason, because of inflation, because of other concerns, people are worried and what can happen is that they could just stop spending. Now, where I think we're gonna to move to the brighter side of the ledger now, and they are spending plenty, right? The savings rate is below where it's been since 2008. And like you may say, gosh, like that's worrying, but that's actually good, right? There's still this huge excess savings, you know, measured in the trillions of dollars beyond what people would normally expect normally people to have. And so like, we're drawing that down finally. I think that is good that savings is starting to drop. Yeah, I think it's, again, probably a healthy trend. You have seen credit usage start to pick up a little bit. Retail sales, which printed on the 17th, was up about 1%. So I don't really see any sign, despite consumer concerns about inflation, of, of people starting to draw back their, their spending yet. If and when they do, that will be, a, I think, a real concern for what has up to date really been a, a demand-driven economy on the U.S. side. Yeah, now one thing people are saying is, you know, while real GDP was negative in the first quarter, there's two ways to measure the economy, two sort of fundamental ways to measure the economy, income and output, right? And so we always talk about GDP, but our diligent bureaucrats, the Department of the Census, like calculate 
real gross domestic income as well. And you'd think that those things are usually kind of on top of each other, and indeed they usually are, but there's like a, a very wide and increasing gap between GDI, gross domestic income, GDP, gross domestic product, and it's a bit of a puzzle. Could mean that we're missing some capital spending. This could be revised away, you know, in the first quarter of 2023 when they revise stuff. But that says the economy is doing better than we measure it, at least on the GDP way. Yeah, that's interesting. I think it's probably worth digging into why that spread has grown. I'm not sure anybody has a totally solid answer for that, honestly. Yeah. No one ever talks about the value added at first to GDP. It's kind of a shame. <laughs> You can, you can get your own podcast, you can do whatever you want. And, you know, again, what we've been saying all year is we've been seeing some sort of signs of slowing around the edges. The labor market is still very, very solid, right? We'll get labor statistics for May in a week, but jobless claims are roughly stable, they're up a tad. Hiring uh, sub-PMIs is still strong. Anecdotally, like people are having a hard time hiring people. So the fundamental thing, like people have jobs, people have income, like that is still going pretty good. And then I guess the question is, so one reason you could see a recession is sort of like a complicated, maybe it's not that complicated, but sort of a, a multi-part argument where inflation is high, inflation stays high. And so right now the Fed is just sort of tapping us on the shoulder and saying, you know, watch out, right? We're going to raise rates in neutral. But I think the argument for a recession is tapping on the shoulder doesn't do, do any good. It's December 2022, and inflation is still 5%, and the Fed has to hit us on the head with a brick, right? Okay. And, like, and deliberately cause a recession. Yeah, I mean, I think that's I'm not totally sure it's the most likely outcome, but in terms of ways that we get to the recession, I think it's probably the most likely cause. Other than that, it's really sort of, we've had our fair share of exogenous shocks, yep. particularly in the commodities market, like what else is going to bring us there? And I think it's certainly a possibility in, in say 2023 that the Fed has to keep on hiking and, and that does lead to recession. But again, right now, I think the US economy might not be in a structurally healthy state, but it is healthy. Agreed. And I guess like I would say the chances of the Fed raising rates say above four this cycle is low i think it's a certainty we're going to get to three um and then we'll see if they sort of three which i assume which i count as neutral and then we'll sort of see from there do you have any opinion on that i still think despite all the evidence to the contrary that it's it's more likely than not that some of these supply chain issues should have worked themselves out over the next 12 months, of course, I was saying that 12 months ago. So take that with a grain of salt in that inflation does come down, maybe not to the target rate, but certainly more in sort of the three to four range and that the Fed is not forced to be as, as aggressive as people sort of think now. Of course, the Fed's reaction function is kind of up for debate. You know, they shifted yep. to this average inflation targeting framework. We've been well above average for quite some time. How does that play into their decision-making process is 3% no longer palatable for them for PCE. I think that's sort of an open question too, in my mind. Yeah, I think part of it's going to depend on how inflation expectations play out. Like so far, they're elevated, but not alarming. It's sort of like yellow. But if inflation expectations 
don't head back towards the Fed's target calendar 2022. That's the framework that they use. Like, I'm not sure, like I've, I've said before, like I think inflation is the least well understood part of economics that, I mean, or at least the ratio of how much people talk about it with confidence and how much people really understand is, is mm. the lowest. But the framework that the Fed uses is the inflation expectations one. And so if that doesn't start to move, if that keeps moving in a bad direction, the Fed will get more aggressive rather than less. I think that's the thing that I would be watching as well as just this Fed is being very transparent, I think. And so just like always read the speeches, if listen to the speeches of the chair. I don't think there's much hidden in, in sort of the way that they're approaching the West and, and thinking about things. And in a way, it's actually kind of refreshing to see that you know, they also have all these sort of question marks in their mind. Yeah, it's better to be honest about it, right? So I think we will leave it there. We will be back with my partner, Rob, to talk about the payroll numbers. And maybe Rob and I will take a, a whack at the same topic of are we heading into recession? There's some more colorful opinions than me sometimes. And if you want more Aster economic analysis, you can look at the Aster website, you can download the Aster research app, or you can reach out to your Aster sales representative. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, John. To learn more about Aster Investment Management's research and strategies, please visit us on the web at www.asteriam.com or stay up to date by following us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and our app is also available on the App Store and Google Play. Thank you. Aster Investment Management, LLC, is a SEC-registered investment advisor. All information contained herein is for informational purposes only. This is not a solicitation to offer investment advice or services in any state where to do so would be unlawful. Analysis and research are provided for informational purposes only, not for trading or investing purposes. All opinions expressed are as of the date of publication and subject to change. They are not intended as investment recommendations.